After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. TJ Dillashaw makes his long-awaited return on Saturday. And on today's show, I'll give you my official prediction for his fight against Corey Sandhagen. Plus, 
I'll talk about a Diaz brother, a Paul brother, and a UFC conspiracy that I'm hearing about. That's all coming up later, but first, let's begin with some drama that's going down in the UFC's lightweight division. Oh, Gaethje and Chandler, this is heating up. So back up two days ago, Chandler says, hey, got to fight Gaethje next. Only fight that makes sense, you know, like a, a Gaethje or bus type thing. And then Chandler furthers it by saying, I must have called him out a hundred times. They've tried to set this fight up three times. I want Gaethje and Gaethje doesn't want to fight me. Okay, so Gaethje responds this morning on Twitter. And Gaethje says, uh, I'm on vacay. He's on vacation. And he says, uh, Chandler is slandering my name. Now, that is such an egregious, and a, right? I mean, that is such an over-slander. Right? Guys are talking trash. They're going back and forth. Gaethje said it was slander, which there was something about him calling trash talk slander that I loved. It just, it like popped off the page. And... I mean, I would have to predict that that's the match that's going to happen. How do you get this kind of steam going? And then somebody looks at it and goes, oh, we don't want that. We're going to go in a different direction, right? I mean, it would appear that these two are going to compete, but I don't know where Gaethje is. Like, the most info I have on Gaethje is what Gaethje just said. I'm on vacation. Okay. I have not seen or heard of Gaethje in a meaningful period of time. He did a cameo, if you will, at the Phoenix show. The night that Adesanya fought, the night that Nate Diaz fought, it was his hometown, his home state of Arizona. That's all I know about Justin Gaethje since October of last year. So maybe we have a little bit of clarity. He's on vacation. All right, that's one hell of a long vacation. But it's not as though I have to know everything Gaethje's doing, by the way. Just because Chael tells you I haven't seen Gaethje, not a whole lot to make from that, but I have been wondering... I have very much been wondering, like there's some guys that retire from the sport and they don't ever tell you, or a couple of years go by and then they reveal, oh, by the way, I'm retired from the sport. There's no signs that Gaethje is thinking of not competing again, but there's also never been a period of time. What are we, six months, eight months? There has never been a period of time in his career where he's had an eight-month break between fights, where he's wanted one, where he's been so radio silent. I, mean, I just simply don't know. I don't think I could use any clearer words. I don't know what is going on with Justin Gaethje, but now he's got somebody challenging him that he does not like. He's now responded. It was the first sign of life from Justin Gaethje and the pulse of his career in eight months. What does it mean? Where do we go from here? And he didn't fully accept, by the way. He said, I'm on vacation. This guy's slandering my name. He referenced somewhere in this tweet, Chandler had said in his comment that they've tried to set this fight up three times and Gaethje's turned it down three times. Something along those lines. Gaethje referenced the number three. And then there was like an emoji with his hand over his face. As though it wasn't so, but he st said a lot of things, but he didn't say yes. Which also surprised me. I don't know if you can respond to a call-out with anything other than, yes, but Gaethje found a way to respond, all while not saying, yes, so where do we go from here, right? I'm talking about talking. I can't tie this story up for you. This is an ongoing thing. It would just seem to me 
would seem to me that those guys are going to match up if and when Gaethje wants to do a match, which is the part that I'm unclear about. I'm not clear when he wants to come back or what it is that he's waiting for. If he thinks there's a bigger or better opportunity out there, he's got every right to wait for whatever he sees as the, the best opportunity. I wouldn't be grudging for that. I'm just sharing for you. I can't imagine one out there. Anything less than a title fight, I can't think of anything that would be as big. I mean, that would be a big deal. That would be a massive fight. Likely a number one contenders match, right? All has to do with how Poirier and Oliveira plays out. I mean, 155's got some really good options right now, but that's what Gaethje, that's what Chandler said, that's what Gaethje said. I will update you when we know more. Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje, as I just laid out, are two of the biggest stars in the lightweight division. But over the past few days, we've been talking about a guy who's riding their coattails, and I'd like to take a moment to talk about something pertaining to that certain fighter. So I plead, I plead with you guys, right? Stop talking about rankings. Stop. You gotta stop. And I've made some headway. I've made some headway with that, but I haven't succeeded fully. I want to universally succeed. I don't want rankings to go away, but I'm right up to that line. Whatever that line, where rankings just no longer exist, I'm right to that line. The person who does the rankings and or persons who do the rankings have never been named and they never will be named. They would have to make that conditional. Like whoever comes in and says, all right, we're, we're going to buy some rankings. We need rankings and we need them every week. And, and here's the deal if you're the one that comes up with them. You would have to make, okay, I'll take the money. I'll give you the rankings. One caveat, keep my name out of this forever. You would have to do, you don't want to be known as the guy that does the rankings. And not for the political reasons that people are trying to get to you and manipulate, right? You remember when they used to do that with songs? DJs around the country were in on the gag with managers who would pay the DJs. This was like some kind of a scandal. To me, that makes perfect sense. I, I can't imagine that you're going to have a Billboard's top ranking and that if you were a manager trying to push your talent, you're not going to try to incentivize the DJs. That makes perfect sense, but this was a scandal. The great Dick Clark was put under oath and had to be brought in on this. You guys ever heard that story? It's not the reason that the rankings people need nobody to know who they are. It makes no level of sense. One reason that guys turn down fights and they've used the rankings. This is my only problem with the rankings. I like having a number. I like having something to talk about. Every sport has a ranking system. Ours has got to have it too. My problem isn't with that protocol. My problem is the way that fighters are getting out of fights and turning to the rankings as their reasoning. And then having you all, the audience, accept the reasoning. They accept, if you chicken out of a fight for any goddamn reason, you still chickened out of a fight. It's as simple as that. I'm from West Lynn. Those are the rules, but they I didn't make them. I, I'm just observing and stating them. And I assume that your neighborhoods are the same. Well, apparently not. If you don't have a ranking and guys want to fight somebody, let's say I'm ranked number five and they offer me a fight and that guy's ranked 10. I now don't want to fight him because I have nothing to gain, right? 
I'm not guaranteed anything. Forget about the mere fact that it's what I do for a living. Forget that I'm going to be paid. I'm going to have a platform. I'm going to get to practice my craft. I'm going to be paid a bonus if I beat him. Forget all of those things. What's more important to me is that he has a higher number so I can then claim his number. And then the people go for it. The audience acceptance. Well, this doesn't make sense. I actually hear people say that. The one word I, the only word I hate more than ranking is sense. Well, this doesn't make sense. Because you always hear it from a dum-dum and his rationale and reasoning is so upside down and backwards. Just say you don't want to do it. We don't need to use rankings or sense. We don't need to use anything. You don't want to do it. You're a chicken. Your client's a chicken. Move on. Maybe there's somebody he's less scared of, right? It's just one of these things. It's the reality. But I've heard it work and I've heard the argument used. Hold the thought. Islam Makhachev was ranked number nine coming into his fight over the weekend. His opponent was ranked number 14. So Islam, who was number nine, fought and defeated number 14. Islam is now ranked number five. I have absolutely no problem with that. I don't. I believe that Islam is a top five guy. I believe that Islam should be five or not higher. The rationale of a number nine fighting a number 14 and that's what moves him forward four spots is just something that you guys need to hear. You need to be aware of it. The rankings are ridiculous. The rankings still have Islam in the wrong spot. Islam should be higher than number five. I'm only sharing with you. The argument that has been made time and time again that a guy who's ranked number nine should not, because it doesn't make sense, fight anybody that goes the other way, that isn't one of the guys one through eight, but it goes the other way, should not happen. It doesn't make sense because he has nothing to gain. That's not true and it's never been true. And the example that I'm giving you now is not unique. It's just now. I'm just giving it to you because it's now. So Islam, who was nine, defeats number 14, exactly the way the rankings said it would go. Islam moves forward four spots. So whoever was five doesn't get to be five anymore, and he did not lose. Whoever was six doesn't get to be six anymore, and seven doesn't get to be seven, and eight doesn't get to be eight, and they didn't lose. They didn't even compete. And they all got moved because Islam, who was nine, beat number 14. I realize I'm chasing my tail here. I realize I just keep saying the same thing to you guys, but I want it to set in because there's a lesson here. Islam did everything right. He took whatever opportunity came his way, and then he went out and he looked as good as he could. And he should not have to sit at nine. When the ranking official or the rankings committee, right? It's hard to say that without laughing. But when the unknown group that submits a ranking every Tuesday, when they get together, they have every right to assess the body of work that was Islam Makhlchev for 25 minutes to assess that body, juxtapose and compare it as experts in the space to other performances they have seen, to come up with a hypothetical and then put the number of five next to Islam. They have every right. That is appropriate. I'm just sharing with you guys that that's how it works. You don't go from nine to five by beating number three. You can. You don't have to. The example I'm giving you happens every single week. I am only choosing to, I, like, I don't want you guys to hear this. Go, well, hey, you know, it's human error and a mistake was made. And, you know, Chael, that is a little bit silly that four guys all moved down and they, 
not only didn't lose, they ever never even competed. And it sounds like there's a recency bias. I, I get all of those things. That's just not what I'm doing here. This happens every single week. There is something mythical that doesn't follow any kind of a protocol, but it doesn't make it any less appropriate. If you were armed with the evidence that you now have of Islam's competition, him being taken down, reversal, every, everything that he did, weaponizing pace, dealing with adversity, having great nerves, dealing with the main event. If you're armed with all of those things and you come to a conclusion that he's lower than five, you failed at your job. I just want the fans to understand and the fighters as well. The only thing that you need to do is go out there and perform and win. It's the only thing you have to do. The rankings aren't real, right? They really exist in that, they're not real. There's a reason if you're ranked number one that Dana doesn't mail you a check or FedEx you a belt. You haven't actually done it. You gotta go out there and perform. But for anybody who's trying to get out of a fight, and I understand the whole thing, by the way, don't think you're fooling me. I understand that when you say you don't wanna fight again because it doesn't make sense or because he's not, he's not right. I, I get that you're chickening out. I just want all of you to acknowledge it too. There used to be a good old day there used to be a good old day where you shamed a guy into do something, right? It's fight promotion. There used to be a good old day where you labeled him for what he was, which was a coward. And there was nothing wrong with it. There was more of them walking around than there was macho guys. But the difference was the machos guys weren't holding up a spot on a roster called the UFC. Islam Makhlchev is one of the sport's most up-and-coming stars. And coming up next, I'll talk about some stars of yesteryear. But first, here's a word about one of our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. Summer has officially started, which means time off, relaxation, and vacation mode for some of us. This does not mean to get relaxed with your nutrition. Athletic Greens is helping me stay on point with healthy nutritional habits. One scoop of this daily all-in-one superfood powder contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one-stop shop for it all. Guys, it's simple. It's easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste, Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit my link today, these travel packs will come in handy for your summer travels. So whether you or your family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health simple each day. It's also tasty and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join the athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. 
again. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash chael and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Guys, I was on ESPN before I came over here today. I was talking with George, and the topic came up of Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, and George poses it to me. Hey, Chill, you know, how, how excited are you for this? Like, man, very. I'm very excited for it. Everybody is. That Right? There's something special. It is the most basic law of economics. Supply and demand. There's no supply of Nick Diaz. Like, there's no part of me that wants to put this fight down. I want to understand on a deeper level, right? I don't want to just see the walkouts and the interviews and Nick's there and the mean mugging and the whole bit. I want to also know what does this mean? Does Nick want three fights, by example? Does he want five fights? Does he want two fights? Is this possibly a one and done? Is this just a competition? Is he going through his midlife crisis? It's a real thing. Could be. I don't know that I need the same answer for Robbie. Robbie's always up for a fist fight. Nothing's new here. I don't know that Robbie ever says no when he's feeling healthy to anyone. I've never heard that he does. So everything's in line for Lawler. I got to know a Nick. For five years, nobody offered whatever it was Nick uniquely is looking for. And we can't guess. We can't just put ourselves in his shoes. He marches to the beat of his own drum. So what is it that Lawler offers? What is this about this opportunity? Not that it's a main event. He was going to be main event anyway. It's not the weight class of 170. He could come back to 170. His previous fight was at 185 with Anderson. He could stay there too. He gave hints on social media that he was going to go all the way down to 155. Whatever. All works. No conflict. So what is it with Lawler? I'm still stuck at that. And it's not just that it's a big fight. Anything Nick does is going to be a big fight, right? They're all going to be home runs. But they're not all going to be grand slams. Nick versus Masvidal, you're talking about a grand slam. But that's not the fight that we have. Nick versus Chimaev, possible miss. In all fairness, possible miss. One guy that's been out for five years, another guy that's whipped three men and hadn't been in there a total of five minutes. Possible miss. What does this fight offer? <laughs> what is this fight for? Why are we going out and doing this? I trust that once that question is answered, it's going to be very simple. We don't need a, a, an in-depth psychological review here. We just need an answer. That's all. Is it about competition? Is it about getting healthy? Is it about staying in shape? Remember, BJ Penn was sticking around for a while, but BJ was telling people, I'm getting distracted when I'm not in MMA. Keep me in this. Great. We get it. We know the answer. Very simple. Very straightforward. Wasn't anything mind-blowing. I don't suggest for you that this one needs to be or that the answer is. I'm still stuck. If this is a personal grudge, what in the hell took you two boys 17 years to figure it out? Why has Robbie never called for Nick and Nick has never called for Robbie? So don't try to sell me on some kind of, of personal grudge. When it add up? If this is about rankings and contendership. Got my attention. I'm listening. I don't care what Robbie Lawler's ranked. Wouldn't know where to find it. Don't know if he even is. He's a former world champion. It matters. So if that's the journey that Nick is on, I'd love to hear. But it's still one of these things where until that question gets answered, and a few of these are, are floating out there. A few of these things that are just 
tough to make sense of, particularly at 170 pounds. Where is Leon going to go? What do you do with Gilbert Burns? What happens to Wonders Boy stock? What is Masvidal going to do next? Is Covington fighting Usman? What is the delay on that announcement, by the way? Colby says they're fighting. Usman doesn't disagree. Dana says we want to do it. Why is that not signed? But there's some kind of an answer, right? Something is holding those things up. I remember the first time I heard that Colby was going to fight Kamara was in November of last year. And as soon as we got off of that, it was going to be Colby versus Masvidal. They were even going to do the ultimate fighter. Like, just something's happening there. Something's happening at 170. We know that Chemayev's coming back. That's going to be in meaningful fashion. He's got to get one out of the way. He's got to show that everything's behind him, right? Everything that cost him in the last 8, 10 months is all behind him. He's now switched management teams. What does that mean, if anything? Right? He just got to, he just got to do one. He's got to come out and show and do something. So let's take a second to transition from MMA to the world of boxing, where some rumors of another potential mega fight are beginning to swirl. Logan Paul versus Anderson Silva. It sounds as though this is the direction they're going, but Vegas has now come out with a line on it if that match is to take place. Logan's the favorite. Does that surprise you guys? That doesn't sound right to me. Logan Paul is the favorite to beat Anderson Silva. Logan just lost to Floyd. Anderson just beat Chavez. I mean, I think that really ups Anderson's stock in all fairness. Nobody knew if he could go in there and box. Chavez is a real fighter. He's a knucklehead, and I mean, he's got his own his own issues with training, but he's a real fight. He's a real boxer, for sure. Anderson beat him in his hometown, went to a decision. I didn't get to see the match, but imagine how badly Anderson would have had to beat him to have the judges give him the decision, first off, in the filthy sport of boxing, but secondly, in Chavez Jr.'s hometown. I mean, Anderson must have really put it on this guy. So if you say that Logan is going to beat Anderson, which is what the Lions have it right now, you're saying that Logan could beat Chavez Jr. Does that sound weird to anybody? Right? I mean, I think that the Pauls have proved that they're tough guys. They take it serious. They go out there. They train hard. I mean, I think they've proved a whole lot of things. I don't know if Logan's ever won a fight. I'm not trying to be a dick right now. I thought he had a draw over in England, right? Remember when he fought with the rapper? Didn't they go to a draw or even he lost? And then he had the fight with Floyd. Yeah, he was 0-1-1 going to the fight with Floyd. I am right. He's never won a fight. And then he loses to Floyd. Or, you know, I mean, he has the match with Floyd, but... Do you think that Logan Paul can beat Anderson Silva? Do you think that Logan Paul could beat Julio Cesar Savage Jr.'s kid? And then, meanwhile, you've also got, getting ready to come up in Triller, De La Hoya versus Vitor. For some weird reason, I think that is the most interesting fight I've seen since we've been doing this celebrity and this crossover, this weird boxing. I, Because De La Hoya is not likely to win that. De La Hoya is greatly outsized. Greatly. He's much older. He's drunk. And on drugs, the last time that we saw him, he's putting out statements now that make you think that he's still got some of those habits. He put out a statement last night that it's not going to be an exhibition. I'm going for real, and this is going to be a fight. So I'm looking at going, okay, 
It's not an exhibition. Now it's a fight. That means they've got to go under the rules, which is, is it going to be 12 rounds? The rounds are going to be three minutes apiece? No. It's still going to be eight rounds. They're still going to be two minutes apiece, which means it's still an exhibition. So it's just a weird thing for De La Hoya to say. And then he said he was in the best shape of his life. And that is the absolute kiss of death. And I don't know what it is about that. But when an athlete starts saying they're in the absolute greatest shape of their life, it just never pencils. I'm interested in the match. I get that De La Hoya is a way better boxer than Vitor. I get that he's been doing it. He's, he's, he's fantastic. I remember what, 1992 is when I first saw the Golden Boy. Barcelona Olympics, watched him bring the gold medal home for the country. He's good, but he's undersized. He's not young. And he's a drunk. For me, it's an interesting contest. And by the way, this is going to take place in Triller. I've been lost from Jump Street on this. I mean, the Golden Boy has Golden Boy promotions. I don't know what happened there. If he's not promoting his own fight, he's been looking for a fight. He was begging somebody to fight him for a period of time. It would just seem like if you're a promoter and if Golden Boy is a real company, you could get yourself a fight today because you would just make it. Floyd Mayweather does it all the time. I mean, just by example. So I'm a little bit lost on that. I don't have an overwhelming point. If you're wondering what my point is, I don't have an overwhelming one. There's a couple of things going on in boxing right now. First, the fact that Logan is a favorite over Anderson surprises me. And the fact that De La Hoya has just claimed he's fighting, not doing an exhibition, which is fake news, a much younger and bigger Vitor Belfort in somebody else's promotion... It's interesting to me. To round out today's show, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about everything you can expect in Saturday's main event between TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sandhagen. I'll give you my official prediction and I'll tell you all about TJ's PED use, but first, we got a scandal going down. Spygate! Did you guys see this with Sandhagen and Dillashaw? Somebody went in, according to Twitter, from TJ's team and spied on Sandhagen. Now, do I believe that that happened? No, I do not. I don't even know that it would matter, but this does have a history of getting in guys' heads. BJ Penn pulled something one time. He pulled it on St. Pierre, and he was claiming like he, it was all done through Twitter, and he was claiming that he was seeing things in training camps, and he was claiming that he had a video, and he never revealed it, but it, it went somewhere like this was a topic. And then there was another one where Rampage Jackson, and this did bother Rampage. Rampage was getting ready for John Jones. Rampage had worked elbows that day. He was in on the mitts, and he was working elbows, and John sent out a tweet that he's going into practice to work on defending elbow strikes. So Rampage thought somebody within his camp was feeding info to John, which may or may not be true. That might have happened. It could have purely been a coincidence. It might have happened. Doesn't matter. For some guys, it does. I could personalize it and tell you, no, not in the least. Not in the least. Guys usually don't have very many secrets, by the way. I mean, you kind of fight the way you fight. If a guy's new, then... It's not a secret, it's just something that you don't know. If a guy's been around for a while, you go watch the video. You go watch a number of videos. But other guys aren't that way. I mean, I can remember Coach Hackleman was telling me 
But he used to warm Chuck Liddell up, and they'd bring the camera in when Chuck was the main event. They'd show a little bit of the footage before he was warming up. And Hackleman said any time that red light started blinking and he knew that Chuck was being filmed, he would call for shots that Chuck was never going to do. He would play right. He didn't want anybody seen. He didn't want the opponent to see it, even in the locker rooms that night, an hour before the contest. Didn't want anyone to know. Now, for the most part, we knew what Chuck did. Right, Chuck was hard to take down. He was going to give you some pretty good kicks, and you better look out for that, that overhand right. But some guys want it to be a secret. They want it, it's got to be preserved. There's a sanctity to it. Some guys won't even go in and train with their teams during training camp. They will have their own select times. They'll pick two or three guys. They'll pay them to be there. They'll bring in coaches. They turn all media away. I mean, right? Nobody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. It's however it gets to you. So if TJ has set up the story that he's got spies on Sandhagen, true or false, which I would believe that it would be false, but doesn't matter. It's not for us to decide. It's not for any of us to decide. The only one that can answer that question is Sandhagen. Does that matter to Sandhagen? Because it mattered to Rampage just by example. I mean, it got in his head. He was shaking those guys down. Which one of you are talking to Jones? Who's given these secrets out? I mean, it like it shook the inner circle a little bit. I had a couple of friends that were out there. Ryan Schultz was out there. I think I want to say Dolce was with him. Tyson Jeffries was out there. I mean, this was a real thing. Well, Rampage said, well, now I can't trust. Who am I going to kick out? Who, who do I work out with now? The other side of it is, there's only so many things you can do in a fight. There's only a couple of things that are banned. So your opponent's probably going to be ready for about everything. I would be curious if it if it affected Sandhagen. I, w- I would be curious if that got to him. I would be very curious how this plays out. It's just a story. I don't think there's spies in any kind of a camp, right? You got a spy in camp. You last thing you would do is tell anybody that you have a double agent out there. You want to keep that a little bit close to the vest. Maybe you're getting good info. You want to slide him into the next guy's camp too. So there's multiple reasons why I believe that this is Belly Who by Dillashaw. I still like it. All right, guys, let's talk EPO. What is EPO? What does it matter if TJ was taking it? What does it matter now that he's not taking it? Now, EPO of all the performance enhancers, I will tell you, personal experience here, right? I'm an expert in performance enhancers for all the wrong reasons. But an expert nonetheless, EPO without question is my favorite. I felt, I've taken everything. I've gone into GNCs or health stores and tried everything on the shelf on the off chance that something would work. And it doesn't. They're all junk. None of that stuff anywhere on those shelves works. But the same is true with performance enhancers. You're not going to get a bump on all of them. There's ways to do it. So EPO specifically. EPO is going to increase your red blood cells. What does that do? The red blood cells is what carries oxygen throughout the body. So the more red blood cells you have, the more oxygen you can get. It directly affects your cardiovascular output, right? It's not going to make you bigger. It's not going to make you leaner. It's not going to make you stronger. It's going to give you more endurance. So in a sport that is an endurance sport, you'll see a lot of EPO in the Tour de France, by example. That's what a lot of the guys get hit for. But that's the reason. The reason is it can help them to push a little bit longer. A guy that takes EPO, particularly in training, can now just train longer. 
He can hit the bag that many uh, times more. He can jump that rope that many times more. If you were to go out and run two miles, say you did that in 20 minutes. Now, you don't train at all. You don't do anything in between. You go do a two-mile run, comes back at 20 minutes. Take a shot of EPO. No training. You take a shot of EPO. You wait about 10 days. That's how long it's going to take to kick in. You go run that two miles again, you're going to do it in 16 minutes. That's how effective it is to your cardio. You do absolutely nothing different. You just have this agent that helps with the red blood cells. 25%, 20% increase. It's very meaningful. And if you take EPO, you want to take that with iron and with vitamin C. It's the iron that you need. But iron cannot be absorbed in your body unless it's with vitamin C, so you take them at the same time. And it grows over time, right? If you were to take your shot, it comes in a shot, you're going to need about 10 days for it to kick in. But by day 18, it's going to, you're going to feel even better. By day 30, it's going to be even better. It slowly builds. It's, it's just one of these incredible things. Tough to catch somebody taking EPO because it can wash through your system within 72 hours. You take it, they got a small window where it can be detected, but the benefits can last much more like six weeks, eight weeks sometimes. So it's very effective. It was also very common. TJ might be the face of it right now. TJ was the guy that got hit. It was a very common thing. If you could get a hold of it, it was one of the harder ones to get. And I only share with you, now it's almost impossible to get. Like I see guys with workarounds of the rules of USADA commonly. As soon as they take their shirt off, I can spot them. But EPO is very rare. Like if you, just somebody that could get a hold of it. And now because of USADA, we also know how to take it and not get caught. Not going to say any more on that, but they're the ones that taught us. They're the ones that told the world how to take it and not get caught. You don't see a lot of it, though. It's one of these things that's hard to find. How is it going to affect TJ? That seems to be a question. And many people have said that when somebody is using a performance enhancer and they come off it, you not only have the physical aspect that gets compromised, you deeper level have a psychological aspect where the athlete will think, I can't do it. I don't have my candy. I don't have my secret, right? It's Popeye without the spinach type thing. And from personal experience, I don't know that I could attest to that. I don't know that I felt that. I think I felt the same either way. But Because by example, when I had, say, EPO in this case, it didn't give me any more confidence, I didn't have more, and when I didn't have it, I didn't have a less of a confidence. I can just share with you, there is a physical side. I truly have done the very experiment that I told you. I have truly ran two miles. Clayton Hires used to have me run every single Sunday, and it was uphill. Oh my goodness. The hardest workout I've ever done, I had to do it every Sunday. And I'm in Oregon. So it, it didn't matter if it was snowing. It didn't matter if it was raining. It did not matter if it was sun. If it was Sunday... I'm running this hill. And so I've done that. I've done where I could barely make it up. Oh, every bit of toughness, every bit of mental toughness, begging, praying that I can just get one foot in front of the next to get up this, this incline. There'd be other days when I had that EPO in full effect. And at the time, I didn't know the difference. I didn't understand what it was doing, right? I was working with a doctor. Chael, you take this, boom. No questions asked. But looking back... 
looking back at my career, or even at that run specifically, on the days where I wanted to quit, where I barely, barely crawled across that finish line, to days when I would just come pop it up, and Clayton would be looking at the stopwatch going, what the heck? You know, what got into you here? But that's literally what it, what it will do. Without any kind of training, it's it's one of these great... And I've, I've heard many people talk about performance enhancers and go, yes, but this doesn't enhance your performance. That's true, too. There is a number of things on the band list that do not enhance you at all. But the performance enhancer, I'll hear a lot of media talking about that. That is a misconception and misreporting by them. There is no rule within USADA that says it has to enhance your performance. That's the media has grabbed it and said, oh, it's a performance enhancer. USADA has an allowed list and they have a banned list. If it's on the banned list, you can't take it. There is no argument with what that didn't help me. Doesn't matter. That is the media misreporting what's on that list. USADA's very clear. Here's the things you can take. Here's the things you cannot take. And I only share that because I've, I've heard a number of guys say, well, that didn't help me. That could be true. I'll tell you, EPO would not fall into that. EPO does work. You want to hear a dirty move? You want to hear a dirty, dirty EPO story? Do you guys remember the clear Victor Conte? The clear and all the athletes that he was helping. Marion Jones comes to mind. I think she even had to do time because she like lied to Congress about this. One of the things in the clear, that was the name of the substance that Victor, uh, Victor Conte was giving people, but was EPO. It's a huge ingredient in the recipe. and But you're willing. You're very knowing that you're taking it. I've heard people even say no athlete could ever accidentally ingest EPO because you do not take it orally. It's done sub-Q, which means through a shot. That's not totally true. And I'll tell you where this happened. It happened in Turkey, the country of Turkey. So there was a wrestling coach. And he got incentivized, the way his coaching contract was set up, and many are this way, but performance-based incentives. If your athlete goes out and earns a medal, if he earns a silver medal, if he earns a gold medal, and there's this bonus structure. So this coach had convinced the athletes, the whole crew, hey, you guys got to have massage. You know, I, I know this special technique for massage. Only I can do it. Uh, uh, let me do it. And you got to come in every, every other day. I want all of you scheduling. So he, he works into how he's going to massage these athletes and why. So the coach gets a hold of EPO. It's a liquid substance. He takes the, the EPO and then he puts something in there called DMSO. Now, DMSO used to be for veterinary use only. I grew up around DMSO because my father was a horseman. DMSO will go, you put it on the skin topically, but it will go inside and it just opens things. So, and it, but it comes out of your system too. It smells terrible, smells like fish. So if you ever take DMSO for something, you rub that on, you'll sweat it out. It'll cut your breath and you come out. Memories of DMSO. But stay with me that DMSO is topical and it pulls everything inside. So when the guy, when the coach was giving these massages to his athletes, and that's very common, you'll use an oil or some kind of a substance when you're doing a massage, so nobody, nobody thought twice. This coach lays him down, he puts this mixture that he came up, DMSO with EPO, puts it right on him, rubs it into him. The DMSO carries the EPO into their system, boom, takes effect, so these wrestlers start doing great. Right? I mean, it's a major performance enhancer. They start doing great, they end up getting hit. They get hit by USADA or whatever. USADA stands for the United States Anti-Doping Agency. Their version of USADA, right? Whatever it is, 
but they get hit and these wrestlers were they knew nothing about it and everybody that gets hit always oh i don't know i don't know i don't know where this came from tainted stuff right it's the same story every time but there was something about the way that this group of guys were denying it there was something that was believable there was something where the test was man something's going on here this is a different denial i can hear it in their voice i can see it in their eyes they ran an investigation they looked into it that's what it was the coach without their knowledge was putting the clear, he was putting the clear into him topically through massage with the help of DMSO. That's dirty. Drugging an athlete, drugging an athlete who trusts you at a vulnerable moment when he's half naked and you're giving him massage, that's dirty. But that's the story. That's my DMSO EPO tie-in. Final prediction, TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen. I'm taking Dillashaw, and there's a lot on that. There is a lot on that claim because Sandhagen, who I was late to the party. Helwani told me about this guy all the time. I didn't get it. Then I'd hear interviews from Sandhagen. He didn't even fall. Sandhagen would have fought for a title right now if it were not for Sandhagen, who declared somebody else the number one contender, right? So I gave him a hard time. But I see the skills. The skills are flat incredible. Go see the fight with Frankie Edgar. The skills are incredible. He showed one weakness, I'm talking Sandhagen, which was in the wrestling department. Aljo took him down, dominated him. Whole match was like 40 seconds, 44 seconds, something along these lines. He, Sandhagen never got a punch off. I also saw that. That was one piece that I have in my database. I then caught an interview from Sandhagen later where he said about his own wrestling, and I quote, my wrestling sucks. So when I'm seeing that and I'm armed with it, it's just very hard, right? I've got to take a guy at his word. I have to. If the guy is telling me he sucks at wrestling, I have to believe that he sucks at wrestling. So then when you have a TJ Dillashaw who's very good at wrestling, particularly MMA wrestling, you know, that outside trip and some of those setups and transitions that Dillashaw does, they're very unique to him. Even if you go get good at wrestling, you now got a handful dealing with TJ's wrestling. So... I lean towards Dillashaw, but guys, I'm armed with a few things. I'm armed with the fact that these two worked out together. They worked out together, and I can't remember the coach. It was either Coach Whitman because it was in Colorado, or it was Dwayne Ludwig. But it was so one-sided in Sandhagen's favor that the coach came over and separated them. This is the way the story goes. Came over and said, you do not go with TJ. I think TJ was in camp getting ready for something. Coach was worried Sandhagen was going to throw his confidence off and separated him. I can also tell you, as this fight was getting closer, I was over here in this very seat talking about this a lot. I mean, this is the fight I'd like to see. Let's get these guys together. It seems as though I was sharing my opinion. And I got calls from TJ's management, from TJ's side, saying, hey, talk about anything else but that. Don't steer us in that direction. Bring Cejudo into it. Bring, they had all these different names. I said, what is going on? I'm so confused. When I stand back and look at this, it seems to me, and I'm admittedly late, Sandhagen is fantastic. TJ's the champion of the world, right? TJ's the bantamweight champion of the world who never lost his belt. They took the damn thing from him. So as good as Sandhagen is, I'm comparing him to the best. I finally said that. What am I missing? What is going on here? TJ's going to go take this guy. This guy says he can't wrestle. From the one time I ever saw anybody wrestle, it turns out the guy's right. He looked terrible. They go, no, 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 throw that out. That's not who Sandhagen is. That, that guy you saw get taken down and choked by Aljo, that's not him. We know who the real guy is. Take us somewhere else. 
So I'm armed with that. I'm armed with the fact that, and this isn't TJ, by the way. This isn't TJ saying, hey, Chael, I don't want to fight Sandhagen. Nothing like that happened. But TJ's people said, we get us somebody else. Take us in a different direction. Allegedly, there was this workout where either Coach Whitman or Coach Ludwig and separated them. And it was going against TJ. Even if I'm armed with that. Guys, I'm taking Dillashaw. I can't see it. You can tell me it till you're blue in the face. I can't see it. I can't close my eyes and picture these guys fighting and seeing somebody getting the jump on TJ. Particularly because we know it has to be done on the feet. There's no make-believe land that any of us have. Even Team Sandhagen would even pretend to have that Sandhagen's going to get the best of TJ on the ground, whether he's on top or on bottom. So that tells us it has to be on the feet. And Sandhagen not only has to beat TJ on the feet, he's got to keep it on the feet. You're not named Dominic Cruz. There's never been anybody to get the best of TJ Dillashaw on the feet. That includes Cody. That includes Hinnon Burrell. He's been on his feet with the best of them. It hadn't been a problem. Not even a problem. I can't see it. But I was late to Sandhag. Am I the guy you want to take your opinion from? I mean, right, in all fairness, the Chael curse is a real thing. And I do tend to cling to the old. I tend to cling to the old guard and not give the new guy his due. I've done it to Sandhagen before. Am I doing it right now? Maybe. Either way, maybe the curse continues. Maybe it gets broken. I'm taking Dillashaw. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Shout out to Domino King, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts and said, listening to Chael makes me feel like I'm hopped up on the hoopies. Well... I don't totally know what you mean, Domino King, but thank you for the review. Thanks to all of you. Until next Wednesday, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>